This is Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Our weekly podcast on Breakfast with Benz here at the Fans First Network. Tim Benz, Joe Rudder, after the Mike Tomlin press conference. We come to you every Tuesday after Mike Tomlin addresses the media. This time following the 30-7 beatdown loss that the Steelers suffered at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers. Now they've got the extra day to prepare for the Cleveland Browns. Monday night football at Akershire Stadium. And Joe, the news not great when it comes to injuries for the Steelers going into this one. Yeah, Mike Tomlin acknowledged that Cam Hayward's going to have surgery on his groin. You know that that's going to be a, a lengthy absence. You know for the team's defensive captain, so they're going to have to figure out a way to get around that. Um, Deontay Johnson, he pretty much ruled out from this game amid an ESPN report that Johnson's going to be out for a few weeks. So the Steelers, you know, at least for this game, are going to have to get ready. You know, to play without their one of their top defensive and top offensive players, and uh, you know they've already had Secure for in. in uh, Concussion protocol, Larry Ogunjobi and DeMarvin Leal were banged up a little bit. So they've got some injuries at some key spots as they head into this game. Terrell Owens was here for some reason, obviously taking the place of Deontay Johnson, right? Oh, he has to be. Why else would he <laughs> would he be in town? You know, they, they have a to uniform. To mentor ready. George Pickens. <laughs> I don't think uh, if you're Mike Tomlin, you want that to happen. But uh... <laughs> Maybe George Pickens will be between where we're standing right now the indoor facility and the Steelers headquarters over there doing sit-ups in the parking lot amid the lantern flies like T.O. <laughs> I can see that happening next. Um, now, as far as what you're talking about with the depth along the defensive line, I'm very much concerned as well. And you know, I wrote about this today for Trib Live at Breakfast the Bends. On one hand, we can't do the whole, oh, well, they lost Cam, hopes are dashed. Because all we did the entire offseason was heap praise on Omar Khan and Andy Weidel for the depth chart that they constructed, the roster that they built, how deep the team was. We can't do that for three months, four months, and then turn around with one injury to a guy for eight weeks and say, well, the season's over. You can't do that. You can't do that. And you have to realize... Okay, it's not like they lost T.J. Watt again for eight weeks. They're losing a 34-year-old defensive lineman who's in his 13th season. At some point, there's bound to be a slip-off here. Maybe that would have been the case had Cam Hayward been healthy. They've got younger guys they can throw in there. Yeah, the, the one issue I have is that Louder Milk's in his third year. 
Leal's in his second. More with Loudermilk that I, I thought going into training camp, he really had to fight to win a starting job. And he played better. But, you know, these are guys that they've kind of haven't really had to use. And they haven't maybe ascended as much as you would want them to, especially with Loudermilk. So I would think maybe more Leal plays. This is a good chance to see what Keanu Benton has. Armand Watts is going to be active, I would imagine. And maybe Breeden Fajoko comes up from the practice I was going to ask squad. you about that. Did they bring him up? Yeah, I would think he, he's the first one that they would bring up. So I think they have the players there. And I don't know if it's going to be all that gloom and doom. Just from, you know, Yes, he's still a very good player coming off his sixth Pro Bowl selection. But he is 34 years old. You're gonna, you know, if you're gonna, you're gonna have to have experienced life without him. Eventually, you've got to see what these young players can do, and this is the time they have to do it. Benton scored very well when it came to those Pro Football Focus numbers. He was the seventh highest graded interior defensive lineman in football for the 43 percent of the snaps that he had in the game against the 49ers. So that's a good place to start. Now, you know, I said what I said before, and on the other hand of that about the depth issue, it does stink that it's all in one position at the same time with Ogunjobi still getting through the foot, with Cam being out for eight weeks, Liao dealing with the elbow or the tricep or whatever they're going to call it. It does stink that everything is at once concentrated in one position group. But, again, that was of all the depth areas that we praised Weidel and Khan for building this roster around, the, the toughest cuts we all said were going to happen along that defensive line. And I want to go back to Fajoko for a second. I would think and I would hope that they would activate him because – like, this is the exact team that they brought him in for in the first place and the, the exact team that they drafted Benton for in the first place was to handle Cleveland, handle Baltimore, uh, be a run-stuffing presence against the Bengals for Joe Mixon. Like, these AFC North teams are why these guys are here in the first place. It, it's just rough for them that they got gashed in the run game last yeah. week against San Francisco and – now they got to face one of the two teams in the NFL that was better than San Francisco on the ground a week ago, and that's Cleveland. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think they know maybe more what than San Francisco is pretty multifaceted. Cleveland, I think you know what you're going to get. They play them enough; they know they're going to be geared up to stop the run here and try to make Deshaun Watson beat them with the pass. I think that will be first and foremost. I think they'll try to establish that identity maybe more than they did against the 49ers. Uh, you know, McCaffrey can do more things out of the backfield than maybe Chubb. And I don't think Cleveland has a, you know, they don't have Kareem Hunt anymore. They don't have a complimentary piece as well as that. So I think that, you know, this is where you're going to get tested. This is where you want those guys to be able to step up for, because that's what they were brought in for here to help improve this running defense. Barring my T.O. idea, how do they get around the absence of Johnson? Is it just does Allen Robinson move to the outside and they put Austin in the slot, or do they keep Robinson in his third role or in, in the slot role and then bring in uh, Austin and bounce him to the outside? I think they mix it up a little bit. I don't think they want to go with one thing or the other. I would think Austin at least would start off in the slot, but I could see them moving out here, moving him out and trying to take advantage of his speed, maybe get something deep. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think Gunnar Olszewski is going to be the answer. Maybe you go with more two tight ends in this scenario to have another weapon that way then to you know maybe you have connor hayward get more involved i just don't think you're going to see four wides with gunner out there a whole lot um yeah he'll probably dress but i think they'll they'll maybe approach it that way to get somebody who's a little taller uh, maybe a more inviting target across the middle you know maybe they get Darnell washington involved that way um they're gonna have to change some things around and maybe this is how you know they get back to 
you know, concentrating more on the run, dialing up more run plays in the game to try to get that going. Now, can they run the ball against Cleveland to kind of dovetail onto your last point about adjustments being made? Can they run the ball against Cleveland? I looked at the defensive numbers for Cleveland. They're all really good against Cincinnati. Yeah, they, they were. And, and at some point, though, you got to find out what you have. They got off to such a slow start last year, not being able to run the ball. At some point, you've got to start putting this together. I think they had, what, two runs on the first three series. Yeah, now, they didn't get first down, so that hampered some things there. But I, they've got to try to really establish getting that going. Um, you know, have definitely a better game plan than what they came out with. You know, against um, against San Francisco, but they're going to have to get. They're going to have to try at least. They're going to have to really try to establish that, and the defense is going to have to play better in case the offense does sputter again early. Did you get the impression, as I did, that in his explanation about what happened in trying to guard Ayuk last weekend, it was a matter of them just picking their poison, and eventually they ran out of vials that they could avoid and, and Ayuk was the one that got them. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they, San Francisco had it all set up and, and they followed the script. Brock Purdy found his open man. You know, I think it was no secret. The Steelers wanted to take Samuel out of the game, wanted to take, you know, as much as they could deal with Friermuth. that left one guy wide open. And that was Ayuk. And, you know, just the amount that they attacked across the middle of the field, Purdy had a perfect passer rating, between 10 and 20 yards. I think he was 5 of 6 for 85 yards. You know, this, that's that's why they brought these inside linebackers in to prevent that from happening and they've got to do a better job of playing down the, you know, down the middle of the field and I think your strong safety has to help out in that regard as well and I didn't see that from KZ or Keanu Neal this game. I'm really interested to see when Cleveland has the ball how committed they are to running the ball based on how much success we just saw San Francisco have because we've seen this act from Cleveland before where the Steelers look bad for a week or two trying to stop the run. And then you're, we do a whole week's worth of analysis of, oh, my God, Nick Chubb's going to have 250 yards on the ground. And he only gets the ball 14 times or 13 times. And they don't run it. Years ago, yeah. The same thing. They, you know, everybody thought going up there and he hardly ran Chubb at all. And you're wondering, what the heck is he doing? And the Steelers won that game. And theoretically, wouldn't he be more inclined to do exactly that now that he's got Watson instead of Baker? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you'll put, try to put the game in his hands. But, you know, sometimes you can't overthink things. And I'm going to try to hit the Steelers with the run until they show me they can stop it. Last thing on the injury front, just to go back to that, do you see them addressing any of these needs with outside players, or do you think they just rely on what they have? Again, going back to the depth question that they seem to be so proud of going into Latrobe. I think they settle with what they have here and see what they have. They were happy with what they had on the defensive line. Now, yeah, they may bring in somebody to the practice squad because of the dominoes with, you know, if Cam goes on injured reserve, um, you know, Maybe they bring in another receiver or elevate somebody else, um, you know, from the practice squad. But right now, I think they have to go with what they got in in house because I don't think there's a ton of options outside that could come in and actually contribute right away. I mean, look, they just signed Desmond King and he wasn't able to get on the field, yeah. and it's going to take a while for him. So I think these other positions, it's not just like they're going to be able to plug somebody that's on the free agent well, market in there. Speaking of King, you know, like going back to that Joey Porter conversation that he was having about. He kind of went on a tangent about you can't play dime if you never went on first and second down, and I appreciate where he's coming from there. I just did Matt Canada. I appreciate the question. <laughs> I appreciate where he's coming from there, but I was kind of wondering if they might be inclined to play more dime anyway, like to take away what San Francisco does throwing the ball, and then it's not like you got a big pounding 
running back in Christian McCaffrey or an offensive line that pushes you around. They get to their spots, they stretch it out, and then McCaffrey kind of cuts back. I kind of wondered if they might go to a lighter set anyway. They, they certainly didn't do that. In fact, they played a lot of base coming out of that game, and um, which was a little surprising. I thought they'd get you know, more to the sub packages where you would see Joey Porter get on the field more, and at some point they're going to have to pull the trigger there because I'm still not sold on what Patrick Peterson has showed on the outside. I think he looked better when he played on the inside, and I think at some point they've got to figure out what they need or who they need to be their slot corner. Uh, you can mix or match a little bit, but other teams figure that out, and I, I think they need to go with their best players in the best spots, and I don't think we saw that against uh, San Francisco. The Jets have anything that they can trade for a lightly used Mason Rudolph? <laughs> Other than People are talking. I, I saw this one. Second or third rounder for Mitch Trubisky. How about that? <laughs> how, how fast do you think Omar Khan would run to the phone and pick that up for, for Mitch Trubisky for a second or third? One year of Mitch Trubisky for a second or yeah. third round pick? Yeah, I think I would take that too. Um, now, I didn't look to see where Trubisky was, but I did see somebody come out with some odds of uh, quarterbacks to be acquired, and I saw Mason was 28 to 1 odds. 28 to 1. Yes, 28 to 1. I don't, I don't know where. Where if, was Tom Brady? You know what? I just looked to see if Mason was on there. I didn't look for anybody else. <laughs> Tim Tebow was on there at 151. He was the lowest one on the list. Well, he's still in the Mets system, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> he's probably got property in New York somewhere. All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, on a Tuesday after the Monday night game. Quick turnaround following the game against the Browns. And make sure you read all of Joe's work at Trib Live. And you can read me every morning at Breakfast with Ben's.